All right, we are live. My name is Andrew Krauss. I'm one of the co-founders here at InventRight. I'm going to be spending a whole hour with you doing Q&A on inventing and more specifically on licensing your ideas for royalties because that's the approach we take here at InventRight. If one or two of you could type in yes, that you can hear me, that would be great because you never know. I'll turn this microphone around so it's all good. Um, let's just jump in. If you guys could start typing your questions in, that would be great. Um, what we focus on here at InventRight is licensing. So you don't need the money, you don't need to hire employees, and you don't need existing distribution. You get all of those from the company that you license to. Great. Um, and I want to remind you guys, thank you, Dana, for typing that in, that anything we share with you today is not to be considered legal advice. Please consult your attorney if you need legal advice. And that's pretty much the disclaimer. Let's jump in and do some Q&A. Nobody typed in yes yet. Can somebody type in yes, Dana or somebody else? Just the fact that you can hear me, that's always a good thing. I don't want to be talking for 15 minutes and nobody can hear me. There we go. Okay, I got it. All right, so uh, first question. Uh, and if you guys could type in your, your first name um, with your question, that would be great. Otherwise, I'll read your silly handle. Usually it's really silly, but... That's okay. I'm all good with that. So the handle here on the first question is who knows? And they said, hello and welcome InventRight because he knows my greeting. Um, and they said, you are the Bruce and Michael Buffer of inventing, Andrew. I, I guess I'm not that familiar with prop uh, popular culture. I don't know who Bruce and Michael Buffer is. So if you could let me know, that will be fun. Um, hi, Andrew. This is also from who knows. Um, if Google image search finds the image of someone's homemade junky version of my idea, is that an issue? Like someone else's artist craft idea, or is it only when it is sold and not a one-off? No. So whatever has been publicly disclosed, this goes for your product or anybody's product. Um, it, public disclosure is showing it uh, a junky version on a do-it-yourself website, an Etsy website, eBay. Um, it could be published in a magazine. It could be on a website. It could be anywhere that's public. So technically, if somebody has invented the exact same thing, but it's a junky, uh, crafty version, as you put it, or craft-like version, and you got a different version, that is prior art because it's been publicly disclosed. Now, you can get a, a patent on any little improvement that you make, you know, and if they put it out there and put it out there for more than a year and they didn't get a patent, that is now public domain. Anybody can do that. It's the reason why you don't make a public disclosure of your invention. But you could still file a provisional patent on some little significant or insignificant improvement and move forward with trying to license it. So it doesn't matter if it's been sold or not, if it's been publicly disclosed. And if it's a craft or art idea, and it's done in a cheesy way, but it's publicly disclosed. And it's the exact same thing as your product. You know, that is public disclosure. And that could prevent you from getting a provisional patent application or getting it. Sorry. It's not going to prevent you from getting a provisional patent because anybody could file a provisional. They don't even look at it. It could prevent you from getting a patent. Um, Deidre, I don't have the details on what Deidre wrote here, but it, it doesn't sound right to me. Andrew, um, a company that has sent me a representation agreement, immediately red flag there. Um, invention promotion companies send you representation agreements. I have literally never met an inventor in the 21 years I've been doing InventRight 
um, that has had an invention promotion company license a product for them. What I hear over and over and over again from inventors that sign up with these companies is, is they hung on to it for a year. They said they were sending it to companies. Nothing ever happened. I've never met an inventor that has ever licensed a product that way. And I've been doing this for 21 years, but I hear from people that have been taken for 10 or 12 grand every day or every other day, literally. Um, so representation agreement tells me they're an invention promotion company. Let's continue with her um, comment here. They are a large manufacturing and distribution company. Are they really? They don't, they don't represent inventors, manufacturing distribution companies. Usually invention scam promotion companies do that. That is also showing it to see if companies want to license it. Mm, that doesn't make sense. I don't know if you're using the wrong words. Now, if they showed it to a bunch of companies, 15 companies, and they said, look, we're going to be manufacturing this thing. Are you interested? And they're retailers. Great. But you said you, they're showing it to companies that want to license it. Um, PPA in place and nice sell sheet. Really appreciate you, Andrew. I appreciate you too, Deidre, but it, it does something sounds really sketchy here. This doesn't that sound like a, um, a potential licensing deal. You, they had you sign a representation agreement. They're probably going to want money from you. That's not a licensing deal. And I've never met an inventor that's licensed a product that way. I'm not saying it hasn't happened somewhere at some time, but I personally have never met one. So to me, something sounds really fishy here. So I would research that company and see what people are saying about them. I have no idea what company you're talking about. And if you told me what company you were talking about, I wouldn't have said all this stuff because I would never make any comments about other companies in particular. It's very important not to say libelous things about other companies or people ever. Um, so uh, let's see. Travis says, is it any more or less difficult to license ideas for foods and snacks? Yes, I would say it's definitely a little bit more difficult, but it's definitely doable. I'd say the smaller companies are more open. Good luck licensing to like craft foods or something like the mega corporations, really difficult. But the smaller companies, um, medium-sized companies, I do think it's possible. Um, usually there's not much intellectual property except for a trade secret. So you're not going to tell them what the recipe is because usually you can't patent a combination of ingredients. If you have a manufacturing method that's going to work for mass manufacturing, you could do a method of manufacturing patent. But yes, you can license food and snack ideas. Um, we actually have a company coming on our Bridging the Gap for our students where we bring on CEOs and marketing managers um, later this month. Um, actually, they're coming on. They're coming on in about seven days or so. And so, yes, you can do it. Would I say it's a little bit harder? Yeah, I would say it's a little bit harder. <clears throat> I wouldn't say it's in the era of not doing it. But if you want to only license to the megacorps like a Kraft Foods, for example, you might as well give up now. But if it's ripe for uh, the smaller companies, yeah, I would say that's fine. Uh, let's see. Great questions so far. Um, Julius says, can I resend a PPA if the first one isn't up and running? Can I resend a PPA? You can always file the PPA again if you want to. It's not connected to the prior one. It's separate. Every time you file a PPA, it's a year from the time you file it. But if the first one isn't up and running. I, now, if you said it wasn't up and it wasn't expired yet, I would say yes. You can always... You could file a PPA, you could have filed a PPA six months ago, and it has A and B in it. 
And then you're like, oh, I came up with something else. I want to add to it. So you take that same PPA and you add C to it, and then you file it today and you'd be protected from today for a year. For You're not protected, actually. It's not the right wording. You're putting people on notice you filed a provisional patent or a patent pending. If you later file a utility, then you'll be protected from that date. But yeah, yeah, you can file multiple provisionals, but I don't know what you mean by end up and running parts. So I can't really answer that one. Um, I don't know what that means. So if you could further define that, that would be great. Uh, hi, Andrew, this is from Juan. I was wondering if I, if I should get an NDA for the prototype company. Thanks for all your help and no BS. Yeah, I, I thank you. That's a big compliment that you say we're no BS. Um, yeah, when you work with a, a freelancer, a graphic designer, a prototype or what have you, I would always have them sign an NDA. I think most of the time they're going to be the last people that are ever going to knock you off. Never heard of a prototype or a graphic designer knocking off an inventor. They're doing that work. They don't know how to license, so they don't know how to do that. So I wouldn't be too concerned about it, but I always, I would have them file an NDA, non-disclosure agreement. Absolutely. And if they hesitate, I go, okay, what's, what's going on here? Sometimes they may don't have a lot of people asking for that and just say, hey, it's really important to me. And, um, you know, it's just saying that you don't have any rights for this idea. It's my product. You have a problem with that. You don't say, do you have a problem? You have a problem with that? You don't say it like that, but, you know, and I'm sure you don't have a problem with that. And and give them a, give them a chance to go ahead and sign it. Uh, Juan said, are you planning on doing another sell sheet review anytime soon? I don't remember. It hasn't been, it's been a really long time since we did like sell sheet reviews for the public. But thanks for bringing it up, Juan. It's like a... It, it's it's an interesting thing that we could do. But I have to say that I've, we've done a few where we did a few, like we'll do, Steve and I will do four or five or something like that. I think it's interesting. I think we might be able to do that. Um, but I'll tell you, when I get sell sheets from non-InventRight students, 90% of them are junk. They're just really bad, you know? But um, And then a, a small percentage of the time they're okay and very rarely are they good enough. So this gives you guys kind of a, frame of reference to know, oh, Andrew said most of the time as an inventor, our sell sheets aren't good enough. And so it makes you want to do a double take. So I don't care if you, you know, you're talking to a marketing person or us or somebody else, but you need to make sure you talk to somebody that really knows how what a good sell sheet looks like. One tip that I always give on these live Q and A's is one free thing you can do is put it on a computer, desktop, laptop, I don't care. This only works with somebody that has never seen it before. It could be friends, family, stranger, uh, stranger, get them to sign an NDA. But I don't care if they're super supportive or super critical. It doesn't matter with this technique. You stand behind the computer and you look, you, you pull up the cell sheet and you look to see if they have confusion on their face. If they're not getting it in six to 10 seconds, it's not good enough. If they're asking all sorts of questions and you say nothing, nothing, okay, don't say anything. And if they're asking all these questions, you're like, oh, they didn't get that. They didn't get that. And you say nothing. You just look there. You just keep staring at them and let them keep talking. And that'll tell you if it's if they get it, if it's instantly recognizable, you know. And, and that'll work for somebody that's critical or somebody that's too supportive, super supportive, or people that are in between, people you know you, don't know you. And it'll help you give you an idea because you thought you're up in your own head about it. 
You've been thinking about this thing for a long time. You think it makes total sense, but you're like five steps ahead because you've been thinking about it. But you need somebody that looks at it and gets it right away because that is all a marketing manager is going to give you. They're going to give you six to 10 seconds. Um, one, I'll, I'll think about it. Maybe I'll talk to Stephen about it, about doing some sort of sell sheet review for the public or something. And I think that might be interesting. Um, but making no promises there because it's incredibly ridiculous time, ridiculously time consuming. And to be honest with you, I don't know if I have time for that right now. I've, it seems like I have barely time to breathe half the time. Um, uh, hi, Andrew, for making this is from Walid. Um, hi, Andrew, for making a list, a company list, usually. I be confused about DRTV companies. If I have a sporting product, I may select DRTV or sporting good companies. How do I decide? Uh, that's, well, if, if you believe that some sporting goods are good for DRTV infomercial products and some aren't, it has to have a real wow factor to be on DRTV or infomercials. So that's how you'd figure out if your sporting good product would be appropriate. Does it have this really wow factor? It can't be like, oh, it's a slightly different baseball glove or it's, you know, it's got this nice little improvement. Baseball glove company might love that, but DRTV is going to go, no, it's got to have that wow factor. So, um, so more than likely, so you, I can't say, but if it has the wow factor, go DRTV in addition to regular sporting good companies. So hopefully that answers your question. Um, oh, okay. Who knows the handle said uh, Bruce Buffer is the UFC announcer. I should know that. My brother was the largest publisher for MMA books um, when MMA uh, not too long ago. He hasn't been doing those. He does like diet books and stuff now. But he was he knows all the fighters and stuff. I've, I've been to a couple of their houses, some of these different MMA fighters, because I live here in Las Vegas. So does my brother. Um, uh, oh, OK. Yeah, I, I used to watch um, MMA and UFC all the time in the early days, back when I was in college. That was a long time ago, guys, where they'd have like a sumo wrestler fighting this little scrappy kung fu guy, stuff like that. I haven't watched MMA in so long. Um, one thing I've noticed, though, is that there's a lot of women's MMA now. That's kind of interesting because I got kind of bored with the other stuff. So I haven't watched it in eons. Um, but it's, it's kind of interesting. It's brutal. I don't think I'd want to be in the ring there, but, um, um, Paul said, if you're negotiating the same deal with two companies and how, and what point do you get, do you end negotiations with one company without burning any bridges? Will they want to work with you in the future? So, I mean, I, our negotiation coach, Paul will help, um, who asked that question? Uh, also, the person asked the question, his name is Paul. But our negotiation coach, Paul, will help our students in that area to figure out what makes sense. But most of the time, 95% of the time, you want to move forward with both companies as if the other one doesn't exist. Initial interest or initial talks is not nearly a done deal. Usually when you get interest from a company, you'll go back and forth with that company for three weeks to three months is the average um, before something gets signed. Even a little bit more now because... It takes companies a little longer to get quotes overseas because of the supply chain issues. So they don't want to sign a deal until they know they can make it, make it at a reasonable price. So um, it's a good problem to have. And it's not really something to worry about. I would move forward with all of them as if the other ones don't exist. Now, where it becomes problematic is when one of the companies starts 
investing in the product. Like they spend 8K on a prototype or something like that. Just getting quotes overseas, that's not. It's investing their time and some of their resources and their people, but that is not a done deal by any means. So um, unless I think you got to be careful when they start investing their own money, large amounts of their own money, that's when you need to be careful. Um, but, you know, there's all sorts of, but really it's not something you should be worrying about. And one of the worst things you can do is get interest from one company and stop calling others, which is what most inventors do. Our students try to do that all the time and we tell them not to, you know, because what if the deal, you know, it goes back and forth, back and forth in three months and they're like, yeah, we decided not to, which is, you know, could happen. And then you get another one interested and then it goes back and forth for two months and then another one for a month and a half. It'll just drag out forever. You want to get it out there to everybody. And it's okay to talk to multiple companies at the same time. Of course, you're shopping it around until they sign a contract. They haven't, they haven't obligated themselves to do anything. So you'll just be dragging and dragging and dragging because it's not unusual for some of our students to call 30 companies, get interest from five. And maybe four fall off, they do a deal with one. Then another person will call 30 companies, they get interest from one and they do a deal with that one. It's really all over the map, but you're really shooting yourself in the foot if you stop reaching out to more companies when you get interest from one. That's complete amateur hour. And hey, our students with a coach, they try to do it. Oh, but this company, I love them and they're so great. And they're interested in my, no, crap. Don't do that. Not pro. Okay. That's amateur. Um, so, but I understand why people do it. Let me get back. By, oh, that was from Paul. Okay. Paul. So thank you for the question. Um, good problem to have, but, uh, and you know, getting initial interest from multiple companies is very normal. And if you like stop the second you get a little interest and they show a little ink, like, don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, Hussan said, hi, Andrew, I have an invention that could be used in many fields, cell phone cases, PC cases, art frames, decoration. Should I include in my PPA the ways it could be used in all the categories? Yeah, why the hell not? You know, don't be spending 75 bucks in each one of those. It's kind of almost a different invention at that point. So what I'm telling you is not legal advice. Our students do that all the time. And I've never seen that bite them in the butt ever. The only thing is, you know, when you show, which this isn't an issue at all, in my opinion, um, let's say somebody is interested in the product for a cell phone case, but they're seeing your PPA where you covered in a, in a picture frame. Well, so what? They don't do picture frames. Who cares? And you could even, if it has all these applications, you could, let's say you could do the deal with the company where it's using, used in a cell phone case, but you can even get them to pay for the patent. And in that patent, you'll cover it for a picture frame too in other ways. And then you go off and do another deal for a picture frame because the cell phone case company, that's not what they do. So you're utilizing the first deal to get them to pay for the patent. You're getting royalties on that cell phone case. And then you got another version that works for picture frames, whole different set of companies, but they got you to help you pay for the patent. In the contract, you've reserved the right to license it for these other purposes outside of cell phone cases because you license to a cell phone case company and it's okay to do a licensing deal with a picture frame company. So hopefully I didn't talk too fast there, but um, you know, absolutely go ahead and I'll throw all that stuff in there. Um, of course, I don't know exactly what you're putting in there, but it's, you should be fine. I've never seen that bite somebody in the butt. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Caleb, Hi, Andrew, when it comes to the video you sent out, you send out with a cell sheet, what kind of quality is required? Cell phone, camera, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, most of our students, they just shoot um, the video on their, their cell phone. I have an iPhone 12. I wait like, I waited like 10 generations. My other cell phone was really old. 
but it shoots beautiful. It's got these three cameras. You don't need that. Anything that you would have bought in the last five, six years would be sufficient if you ask me. Um, and you can use your cell phone. You always want to do landscape. Always do landscapes. Amateur sh shoot like this. Always shoot landscape, okay? So that's one little tip. But it can be pretty crude. Now, we do different levels of um, videos. Some of our students will go, I'm not going to do a cell sheet at all. I'm going to do a video because the coach told them to do that. I'm going to do a video. And other people will do a cell sheet plus the video. And some people just do a cell sheet. So some people just do a cell sheet. Some people do a video. Some people do both. So the ones that do both, sometimes a cell sheet's really good, but you just want to do a short little video to show something or other. And it doesn't need to be that refined because the cell sheet's really good. Um, other, so, you know, and then other times like, no, you're going to do a real pretty good video, but you'll do it with your iPhone. Um, and you can go in and, you know, you can use, um, uh, what's the uh, movie maker, not movie maker. What am I saying? Um, iMovie on the Mac. I'm on a Mac. Um, Windows movie maker doesn't really exist for the PC, but there's a ton of software where you can edit some videos, your needs. And if you never edited a video before you guys, any of you guys could shoot some clips and then just kind of crop them together. You edit it and crop them together. It's not hard to do. Then you could get pay somebody to do a voiceover, do a voiceover yourself. So, um, you know, you just it's so it's not so much like it needs to be professionally shot. But if you're like, hi, my name is Fred and I came up with an idea. My family loves it. I've been inventing for 35 years. And OK, if you do a video like that, you might as well give up right now. <laughs> Don't do that. It's really punchy and short. OK, so it's more about making a punchy short little advertisement for your product than it is like rambling so it doesn't matter what you shoot it on if you did that they're gonna go delete you know to that email or respond not interested so just don't do stuff like that um uh emperor said how do i go about doing a provisional patent we have uh with our with our coaching program we have some software that you can use that's included so you can file your own provisional so you can do that yourself, Emperor. You do not need a patent attorney to file a provisional. It could be done in common English. If you ever looked at a patent, you're like, what am I looking at? This is like, I could never do that. A provisional patent can be written in common English. And we give you some software to learn how to do that. Go to inventright.com, click on contact us and book a meeting with an advisor. And we can tell you more about how we can help you do that. Um, but you do not need a patent attorney to file a provisional patent. Um, and, it, you know, if you if you go with a patent attorney, it's like it, it'll cost you $800, $2,500, probably on the higher side to file a provisional patent. And if you do it yourself, it's $75. You only have to pay the patent office fee. That's a hell of a lot better. And they can't even see what's in it. So if you did kind of like an OK job, you know, a company shows interest, never going to be the first thing you do. So if you get a lot of traction on it, you could go back and file another one before you show them your PPA. Um, Let's see. Concrete said with pull through marketing, it would be would it be better to go from a smaller company to a bigger company telling a smaller company that a bigger company is interested in the product? Well, first off, your your misperception, I think you might be misperceiving pull through marketing. You never pit potential licensees against each other. Our definition of pull through marketing is like. You're reaching out, first off, just reach out to potential licensees, the manufacturers that sell to retailers, right? You're not reaching out to retailers. 
you're reaching out to the manufacturers that sell at those retailers. So our definition of pull-through marketing for that area is like, you could actually reach out to some buyers at some retailers. I don't recommend doing this. I would, at first, I would just reach out to, whoa, let see if I fix it, just all blurred out on me. Sorry about that, guys. Oh, it's all blurry. I don't like that. See if I can fix that. Well, I guess we'll just need the deal. Let me, let me, let me, uh, oh, I don't know how to fix that. So let's see. I was hoping, usually you just do that and it fixes it. I get, oh, there we go. That's a little bit better. Okay, now it works. Um, it's a new camera, so I was, I was tripping out on that. Uh, so our definition of pull-through marketing is like you're reaching out to a bunch of manufacturers. Like, let's say you call it a ton of manufacturers, but they're not really pulling the trigger. You could reach out to buyers at retailers, get their interest, and then go back to these manufacturers and go, well, the buyer at Walmart said they would love it. If you made it, they would order it. But you're going to really kind of piss off the buyers there because they're there to buy products from companies that are ready to manufacture and sell it to them. So when they show interest, they're like, what's your price sheet? What's this, that? And you're like, oh, I don't have this. If I license this to one of your, uh, if I license this to uh, a company, would you buy it, you know, later? And then they'll be like, oh crap, why'd you waste my time? Um, so you can do it. It's not something I advise everybody to do. Um, you got to kind of be a little bit more refined to pull that off. But no, you do not pit one company against the other ever. You don't do that sort of thing. And I don't know, maybe that's not what you're saying, Concrete. Even if these aren't the questions you guys are asking, it's still good advice. So no, don't get mad at me, guys, if I don't can't read your mind and understand exactly what you're thinking. Um, usually I cover like three different variations. So people tell me they appreciate it. So hopefully that's good. That's, I mean, when you're a coaching student of ours, and you're talking one-on-one -on -one with a coach and they're looking at your product and they're saying for this product for 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 this product for your eyeglass leash i would do this you know and i can't give you guys those kind of answers i'll never be able to on this live stream um you know because that's a one-on-one -on -one thing and my other disclaimer which i didn't give at the top do not disclose anything that's not already publicly available in the chat please don't do that um let's see Thank you for that question, Concrete. Uh, Nolda said, I had a freelancer who said he he regret signed my NDA. I just read it like you guys write it. I realize some of you English isn't your first language, but uh, I have a freelancer who said he regret signed my NDA for my idea. I won't work with him anymore. What does he What does he think is going to happen? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's pretty stupid. Um, can you, I probably wouldn't work with them. Can you license an app idea for iPhone? Yes, you can, Thomas, but I don't, you know, if you got some physical products or other types of products, I probably wouldn't recommend for most people to try to license app ideas because, you know, everybody and their grandmother has a tablet or an iPhone or an Android phone or an Android tablet or whatever. And everybody comes up with ideas for um, apps. And so there's nothing wrong with that. But let's say you come up with an idea for a new kitchen cutting board, okay? And the kitchen company says, oh, we're kind of interested. And how do we how do we make this? And you're like, well, you see, I just took a notch out there. And you just and they're like, oh, yeah, we can do that. But when you present an idea to a software geek, 
And they're like, well, that's a great idea, dude, but you have no idea what you're talking about. That's going to take six guys in a room a year to program. Like you can't talk about what the backend database is and it's this or that. The software geeks kind of like consider you a nuisance. And I will only say this in software and in apps. So it's it's kind of problematic. So if you have no background in software, um, you can't talk intelligently to them about how this will be implemented. And you don't know the difference between a really simple app and a really complicated app. So I would say now, if I have software developers that we've trained and they're software developers, they have a serious background in software, there's no difference with them licensing a software app or a physical product. They can do either because they understand the terminology. They could talk intelligently about it. But when you you don't have a background in it, you can't talk intelligently about it. It's it's kind of problematic and a lot harder to do. And you they'll go, well, why don't you develop it and show it to me and stuff? So um, I, I, I would, wouldn't recommend for most people doing an app idea if you don't have a software background. It's going to be hard. It's just going to be hard. Not saying it can't be done. When people say, want to sign up with us and the guy on an app idea, I go, what else you got? And they're like, oh, I got this and this. And this. Let's work on one of those. And then if they insist on working the app and they don't have anything else, I'll talk to them about the app idea. And I go, you know, this is a lot of times it's not really viable and it's, it's kind of weird. And they don't, in, inventors, when you're creative, you know how to think about physical products, but thinking about how to do an app is a whole different ballgame. And so most of them are very like, I'm like, oh, that's going to be hard, you know. Um, so thank you, Thomas, for that. Uh, Mariana said, my niece drew a really cool drawing of a well-known Muppet character with an altered look that I think would be great T-shirt design. Is that something she can try to present and license to the owners? Okay, so she's got a piece of artwork and she drew it of a well-known Muppet character. Obviously, Jim Henson and whoever owns that now owns the Muppets. So you can't be licensing a character with the Muppets without their permission. Um, yeah, you know, I, I'm not as excited about it because now you could go to anybody that has the more than likely the Muppets or that line of goods that they're not making their own products. They're doing what's called brand licensing. When you have a brand like Cars or Mickey Mouse or the Muppets or whatever, you go out to these companies. There's something called a licensing expo in Las Vegas. You go, look, we have this brand. We have this cartoon character. We have this or that. And we're open to anybody manufacturing stuff to put Mickey Mouse on it, right? And then, then they pay Disney for to put Mickey Mouse on a T-shirt. Now, especially with Disney, they're very particular it's got to meet a certain style sheet and it's got to look just like this. They're not going to let you use Mickey unless it looks just right. But they would never license the product to you, Disney, because they want to license to a big manufacturer that manufactures and you've got to be in business for many years. And they're looking at your distribution go, oh, you got distribution in all these stores. Okay, we'll give you the Mickey Mouse for dolls or for um, T-shirts or just in certain areas, right? And so... Um, if you've got the Muppets, you could go to a company that's making T-shirts with the Muppets on it and you could license to them. And it's not the Muppets themselves, but they already have the license to put Muppets on T-shirts. And you could go to them and then they would go to the Muppets brand, if you will, and go, hey, is this OK? Can we use this design? So I would approach now I would approach 
first of all, all their licensees that are making, if you wanted to go on a t-shirt, making t-shirts, there's probably only a couple or one. And then you could go to the Muppets as well, say, you know, would you like this? Could you give us some names of your licensees? But you could find those licensees. You could just look for Muppets t-shirts and you're going to find the companies that are selling those. And it's probably not them. It's called brand licensing. And realize that you're going to share the royalty. You're going to get a lower royalty because they got to pay the Muppets and then they got to pay you as well. So they got to pay both. So um, it's not an ideal project, but if you've already got it, your niece drew that. I mean, why not? It doesn't take you a lot of time to do it. Um, Waleed said, hi, Andrew. When dealing with freelance designers, design my sell sheet who make the who make the marketing message, such as the benefit statement, um, me, me or the designer. Yeah. See, that's where InventRight really comes in. So when we do sell sheets for our students, we put them on with the coach and the coach helps them do the marketing. And then our designers just make it pretty. Most designers suck at marketing. If you take your bad marketing and you give it to them, they're not going to make it a pretty piece of junk. So you got to, most of the designers are not marketers. So now you're going to hire a marketer and a, a designer. They're usually separate people. With us, um, if you signed up for a coaching program, you'd have a coach that would guide you through, make sure you did your research, make sure all the marketing was spot on, and then you would send it to our design studio and they'd make it pretty. So if you're doing it on your own, I like the way you asked the question. Be very careful. Most designers are not marketers. So if if you're not confident in your marketing, you know, you're going to give it to them. They'll make it beautiful. Maybe, maybe not. To be honest, a lot of the freelance designers. I've had people that use like Fiverr and stuff, and they need to use five or six designers before they get anything even halfway decent. That's why a lot of people use our design studio because we do a really good job. Um, but yeah, designers, not a marketer. So don't count on them to be as such. OK, they might say, oh, yeah, I can do that and change it up. But, you know, most of them are overseas and then they their English isn't good. It's like, whoa, no. Um, uh, <laughs> Caleb said, please do a sell sheet review for the public. It only takes six to ten seconds. LOL. Yeah, it takes six to ten seconds to say no to a product for a marketing manager, but it does not take six to 10 seconds to review a sell sheet and critique it. And then, you know, also the one reason why we hesitate to do sell sheet reviews is part of a good sell sheet review will be reviewing all the other products in that space. That, you know, most of the time when our coaches are working with a student, like they're, they're having them do the market research, then doing the marketing based on that, and then making sure the sell sheet is fantastic. So, you you can't you can kind of do a knee jerk sell sheet review, but a thorough one would be making sure the inventor has studied the marketplace and make sure that the marketing makes sense given the other products in the marketplace. And you're going to use some of the same verbiage as the other products, but you're going to have a point of difference where certain points are different or unique to your product, but you're going to use some of the same kind of bullet points some of the other products use. That's why it's really important to study the marketplace. So no, I, we couldn't possibly do that in six to ten seconds. But I know you're just Joking, Caleb. Um, uh, Daryl said, hi, hi, Andrew. How open are car manufacturers to PPAs? I have an idea on an electric motor that shows novelty after two professional patent searches. So, uh, Daryl, I, 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 I pity you that you have to reach out to car manufacturers. They're next to impossible to license to. We have a couple students of ours do it, but... Um, I would always ask yourself the question. Now, yours is an electric motor, 
But I always always ask yourself the question, could this be an automotive aftermarket product? Now, quite often it's true. It's like an air freshener, some new rims. It's a new accessory that you add to the muffler under the hood. I bought a new air intake for my diesel truck that I put in there. So automotive aftermarket, tons of companies, very open to licensing. We actually have one coming on um, um, sometime very soon here to our Bridging the Gap meetings with our students. Um, but so automotive aftermarket companies, there's tons of companies making these things you bolt onto your car, add to your car. Great, great category. OEM manufacturers like Volkswagen, General Motors, Mercedes, you know, all good luck. Um, it's very, very difficult. So are they okay with PPAs? I mean, you good luck just trying to license to them. You know, they'll be okay with the PPA, but the deal will drag on so long, you'll need to upgrade to a full utility, guaranteed, 100%. So it's a very difficult thing. But if that's your thing, Daryl, and you like making new electric motors and you want to pitch your electric motor to Tesla or GM or these different companies, well, I guess that's what you're going to have to do. But if you can find an application for your electric motor that could be for a lawnmower or something else that's taking it down a notch, that's what I would probably uh, try. You know, maybe you can apply that same technology to cars later, but it can be proved out in a smaller application. Okay. Um, uh, Michael says, I skipped over you. I don't see that I skipped over you, Michael. Let me look back and see if I see if there was one. Yeah, Michael, I don't see that I skipped over you. I don't see what you, whatever you sent earlier, I didn't see. So just go ahead and type it in again. Um, uh, you wrote, damn, skipped all over me. I've been following and watching all your YouTube videos. Very disappointed. <laughs> okay, Michael. I didn't see your other question, Michael, so type it in. No need to be disappointed. Just type in your question. Um, uh, hey, it's free, man. What do you expect? Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, not really. Kind of. Anyway, so type it in, Michael. I'll answer your question. I, and I don't see it there from before. It's not there. Um uh, August, August said some good fights at MMA, MMA last week. Come back to it, Andrew. Yeah, maybe I will. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm so busy. Uh, I try to spend time with my family. So, uh, Glenn said, hi, Andrew. My, I sent my cell sheet for about a month ago to a representative at Foster Grant. What is a good time period for me to contact him again and find out what they think? So, yeah, I would reach back out and just say, what's your, whenever you reach out, they'll always have all the same stuff below it so they can see that you sent it a month ago. Don't say, did you get what I sent? Did you have a chance to take a look at it? And then you don't send it again. Don't do that. Forward it, send it to two, and then they'll see what was um, sent before. Okay. And just say, just checking in about, you know, your process. I sent this to you about a month ago about, you know, when you might be getting back to me on this, um, let me know. And, and sometimes you want to say, you know, if it's a, not a right match, just simply say not a right match. Look for those no's. Let them say no, because sometimes they'll just, a lot of times they just won't reply because people are kind of cool. They're not being cool, but they think they, they're, oh, I don't want to say no to them. You know, let them say no. Make it easy for them to say no. I don't think you need to send that yet, but I would say on a second follow-up email, you might say that. Um, so Glenn, great question. Yeah. Reach back out months long enough. Definitely. 
And, but here's the deal. You probably only sent to them. That's a mistake. The foster grant, great. And you probably thought, because they're one of the biggest ones. So you're like, well, they're the biggest one. I'll just send to them. And if you didn't send to 20, 30 companies, you're not doing this right. And you'll just be sitting around waiting forever. And then you sit around waiting. You know, and, and great if you're patient, but there's no need for that. Keep yourself busy by sending to more companies. We don't have them. Um, uh, okay. Oh. Now, Hassan is now telling me that I missed a comment. Um, no, I don't see Hassan's either. I, I answered your other one, Hassan. Well, that's okay. I think... Um, no, I don't see it there either, Hassan. I see the one I answered. So something funky must be happening with the uh, with the chat. So just type them in again, guys. If if you asked it and I passed it up, just type it in again. So it must. Uh... <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I I Mike Mike repair stuff. Mike said, Polly Shore lives near you. That's like a, a weird uh, movie star reference. I haven't seen anything from him. Lives near you, Andrew. Great comedian. Okay. That's funny. Um, I don't know if that was just a funny comment. Um, okay. Uh, Ray, Ray, Ray Vaj. Uh, to all listeners and people watching, Andrew is right. Yep, keep reaching out to multiple companies. It takes about six weeks. Um, be patient. Remember, uh, submit, move to the next one. Submit and move to the next one. God bless you and family. Thank you, Rivage. Ray, Ray, Rivage. Yeah, I got it right. Um, Ken said, uh, hi, Andrew. Can a UK company file a USPPA? We don't. We don't do PPAs in the UK. Yeah. So, you know, just file a U.S. provisional patent application and do not focus on the UK. It's okay if you reach out to UK companies, but you're less likely to license to a strictly UK company. If it's a UK company that's really big in the U.S., great. Same as a U.S. company. Okay, if it's an Asian, but find companies that are big in the U.S. and Canada. Focus there if you're in Europe. It's okay if you reach out to European companies, but if they only sell in Europe, they're a little bit more old school. And we have had students in 65 countries. And like, I have students in, tons of students in Australia. And they, and, and I'm like, don't even bother calling students, companies in Australia. You can bother, but it's so unlikely. They're kind of old school there. So the world is a very small place. Don't limit yourself to your local geography. You know, if, if you know that in, in the UK, a little more old school, I would submit to UK companies too. Don't worry about that. But the U.S. provisional patent in an roundabout way is a placeholder because I, I you know, get all the details so boring, but I'll give you the details. The U.K. and the U.S. are both PCT patent cooperation treaty companies, um, countries. So if you follow U.S. provisional in an roundabout way, I'm not getting into all the details, but it preserves your right to file a PCT and then later file in the U.K. So it'd be kind of preserving your right in the U.K. in a way. I'm not going to get into all the details. So just file a U.S. provisional patent and go for it, okay? Um, okay, yeah, Deidre, now that you said the name of the company, I can't comment on that because I don't comment on particular companies. So, um, but just Google the name of the company. You'll find out what's going on. Be, be careful. 
Um, uh, Julius, how do I know which companies, company or companies to license my product to? Companies selling products in major retailers that are selling products in somewhat the same category as yours. It's just that simple. It's not rocket science. Um, it's fairly time consuming to make your list. When our students, when inventors sign up with us, the coach guides them and looks at the product. Well, you could do this and you could do that. And I can't do that on here. But um, it, it is hard for people at the beginning. But once you get the hang of it, it's still time consuming, but it's so worth it. Because if you have 30 companies, you have 30 chances for success. If you have three companies, you have three chances. And for most product categories, you'll have 20 or 30 companies. And it's, it is a bit of a brain fart for people to learn how to do it. But it's, anybody can do it, guys. Um, Alexandri, um, if you file one PPA that includes two inventions, three months later, you patent one invention using the PPA. Can you patent the second invention in three years or does the PPA? Well, so so first, first of all, um, yeah, that's a detailed question. I can't answer that, Alexandri, because I'd need to think on that a little bit. Have I ever seen that ever be an issue? Never. Is it going to happen to you? No, it won't. Um, but it's so detailed, I don't want to give you the wrong answer there. I need to kind of sit and think on that for a second. Um, voyage travel is the handle. Would would going to a potential licensee with pre-orders of your product help to get you a better royalty rate? Not really. It, it depends. So pre-orders? No, definitely not pre-orders. Um, no company is going to be impressed by you saying, I've got a thousand pre-orders. That's like chump change for them. You know, they might be make, selling 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, quarter million units a year. So when you say, oh, I've sold 1,000 units or I've got pre-orders because I went on Kickstarter and I got 1,000 units, unimpressive, doesn't mean much to them. I think it actually hurts you. If you haven't sold a single one, the sky's the limit in their mind. I like that much better. So don't think that, you know, and usually to launch a product, and to sell it, it's going to take you a couple years of your life to do that, to think you might get a slightly higher royalty rate. That's just ridiculous. Don't do not do that. You're not ridiculous, Voyage. I think it's just like I'm giving you my impression and I just I get a little illustrative and, and passionate with my suggestions so you get my take on it. Um, then you said, would you say that the sell sheet quality is more critical than the DIY short video? Um, they can both be important, but you can have a really good sell sheet and a DIY short video is kind of crude as long as it gets the point of cross. You know, as long as you're getting the point across, it doesn't need to be as refined as the sell sheet. I would agree with that as long as it's well done in that it gets the point across and you can see the benefit of the product. In the end, you want to sell the benefit of the product. So it's a good question. Um, let's see. Let's see if we can get some of these people that said, Andrew, you missed my question. I don't see anybody typing in and said, Andrew, I'm so disappointed. You you missed my question. And I don't see those people because I don't know. There's something happening with the chat where a couple people's questions didn't get in there. And I don't see them down at the bottom. I don't know. Okay. Maybe, maybe for some reason there's something funky with your account and it's not going through. I don't know. Um Uh, you know, so, uh, Mike said, uh, Andrew, please acknowledge the tornado victims last Friday night. If you, 
if you did, please forgive me. I missed the first six minutes. So guys, I stopped watching all news about three and a half months ago. I got so sick of people fighting each other, whether it's political or just all the social media garbage, man. That's what I love about YouTube. When you can get on YouTube and you can get educated about something that's important to you. I don't know about if you guys know this, but I watch YouTube every night on my TV because I have an information addict and I love learning how to do new things. And I've been watching some videos on stuff to do with my car and my RV. And I'm, I've, I've learned some from incredible people. That's a positive thing. The, the news is so much garbage. And I haven't watched any of it lately. Uh, and so I did get an inkling, even though I'm not watching the news, I did hear about tornadoes. I don't know the details, so I can't really speak to it. And um, whatever I'm going to say isn't going to make a difference anyway. But um, I think like 80 people died. That really sucks. That's terrible. Um, that's all I can say is it's terrible. I don't have the details. Um, uh, let's see. And, you know, I, I suggest you guys do what you want, but I suggest you guys do the same thing too, at least for a short period of time. I won't be doing that forever because I'm an information addict and I, I, I just wanted to know everything going on in the world at all times. And I found it was like a full freaking time, full-time job because if you just take whatever the media gives you, I, I, I don't care right or left. I could give a crap about either because they're both absolute garbage, if you ask me. But if you just take at what the media gives you, I'm, I'm, an, I'm, I'm an intellectual person. I like to analyze things. That takes time. I found it took too much of my time because the, the information I was getting was such garbage. I would need to think about it and analyze it. I don't just take it in and go, oh, OK. You know, um, so but I, I suggest you guys do it. Try it for like a month or two. It'll make your life so much better. Your friends and family will let you know if the world's falling apart. They will. I asked my fam people to let me know and they haven't let me know yet. So I'm assuming it's not falling apart, but I found it to be a, a very positive thing, not watching the news anymore, like nothing. And I love it. And uh, I probably won't be doing that forever, but hey, I've gone three and a half months. I'll probably go another three and a half months. Um, it's making me happy. Um, Travis said, how can you be sure if the technology for your idea exists? Do you just search online or is it appropriate to reach out to an expert at time? Um, you know, what we care most about, Travis, is what exists in the marketplace. What, what is being sold in the marketplace? So you need to become an expert in the micro category of your idea. So let's say you had a magnetic doorstop, okay? You should know every freaking magnetic doorstop out there. And a great way to do that is Google Images. Amazon's good too, but I really like Google Images. And you should know the doorstops out there too. So you, you want to search in the micro category of your idea all to find what is in the marketplace now. That's the most relevant. Not some technology exists way over here that you don't know that exists. So, um, you know, that's how you do it. You get on Google Images, get on Amazon. If it's an industrial product, Google Images might help you a little bit more because industrial products aren't on Amazon. We get plenty of students, contrary to popular belief, that we have working on industrial and, and B2B products. Some of these people see our success stories and they're like, oh, you just do consumer stuff. I'm like, no, no, our students are doing all sorts of interesting. I just can't put some of its stuff up here because it's too freaking big. You know, like I think I mentioned before, I had this student license this giant, not this big, giant boring drill that drills into the ground the size of a Volkswagen bug. And I can't put that up here on my shelf. Um, but, you know, industrial products are licensable just like consumer products. So you need to search online. Yes. 
And I would use Google Images and Amazon if it's a consumer product and Google Images for everything. Google Shopping, you can play around with that too. And look at all the products in the space of your idea, you know, which is fun. Um, uh, Tom said, wondering when is your next seminar or live presentation? So one thing that we're going to do is we're going to do a, a series for the public um, a kind of on the invent right step. So I think you guys might like that. Um, so we're going to be doing that in 2022. I don't have exact dates yet, but we're planning on doing that. Um, we did a series during the beginning of COVID and people really liked it. So we're going to be doing that again. Um, so I'm trying to answer some people that I haven't answered yet. So I'm going to skip over some because I want to get to people that I haven't answered a question from yet because we're coming up about seven minutes left here, but I'll go a little bit over. Uh, Dave said... Hi, Andrew. Is there a best and or worst time of the year to contact fitness-related companies about licensing a fitness device? Any time of year, there is no best or worst time. And every time of year on a related subject, every time in November, December, people, oh, you know, Andrew, uh, you know, it's Thanksgiving, it's Christmas. I don't know. It's probably not a good time. Maybe I'll start reaching out in January. I'm like, no. We over. All our years, our students have just as much success in November and December. It's only a little bit different in that some people are checked out because they went on vacation for a week or two. Okay, you're not going to get a response from them. But the ones that are in, a percentage of them I found are a little extra friendly and communicative and like, oh, no, let me, and maybe they're kind of kicking back a little bit. And so I, um, I have found that that evens out and our students have just as much success getting interest from companies. And we've had, we have anywhere from four to 600 students at any point in time. So that's a pretty big sample size of experience. And this is over 21 years. I can tell you, you'll have just as much success in November and December as you will any other time of the year. So don't analyze that. Just freaking reach out. Don't analyze it. Now, it, let's say you work on a seasonal product, like a gardening product or whatever. And you, let's say you stay in that category and you're going to submit more gardening products. And you start to make friends with some of these marketing management gardening companies. You start to notice you, they like it a certain time. You're okay. Then you can do it. But right now, just reach out to everybody. It's just another, Not I'm not putting this on you, Dave, but I think inventors is just coming up with just another excuse not to do it yet. And I'm telling you, there is no right time to do it. Just do it. Okay. Um, let's see, let's see if I find a few other people I haven't answered questions for. Let's see. Uh, Ken the Cat said, one of our licensees pays us a standard royalty rate of 5%, but only 2.5% on FOB sales from China. They argue that the volumes are higher, but the price is much lower. I I don't know. You know, you you need to. Um, I'm not really. I don't have enough details there to to answer that. Uh, sometimes people come up with weird excuses. We help our students with that all the time. I would need to ask you more questions, Ken, to figure out if that would be appropriate or not. I I I'd rattle off like ten questions. I don't have enough info to go on here. Um, See, Jonathan, are tech companies open to PPAs, created a product specifically for them? Well, you know, tech companies, it sounds like you might be creating a product for one company. You know, you always want to go, okay, I think it'd be right for this company, but could I reach out to 15 others too? If the answer is yes, great. 
The answer is no. Why are you working on a product for one company, not to mention a tech company, which is going to be much harder to license to? Um, so, you know, are they okay with PPAs? Who cares? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You're going to put patent pending on your sell sheet. They don't know if it's a PPA or not. So, you know, who cares? So, yeah, it should be fine. Um, uh, let's see. Your handle is meanwhile in the desert. That's their handle. If a parent company owns many companies and says no, is it worth submitting to other company they own? That's an interesting question. Um, maybe, maybe you really don't know where things are going there. So, um, you know, I mean, how pissed are they really going to get at you? I think, you know, if you know the person that you talk to and they're with one of the sister companies, I think it's okay if, if, you know, I'd, I'd get some feedback, like, were they giving you feedback for all their lines or just one particular line? So it really depends. So it, for the most part, I wouldn't hesitate to reach out to another division. But if it's going to go back to that same person, okay, that's not good. So I really can't say, you know, it's, it's very rare that anybody gets mad at our students. You know, they're, they're doing so much stuff. One arm doesn't know what the other arm is doing. So I would err on the side of without having all the details is why the hell not. But if I had all the details, I might say, oh, no, don't do it in that situation. But the chances they're going to get it mad at you for doing that are pretty low. So I, I would go for it. Um, Stefan said, hi, Andrew, any in industries become more open to inventors recently? I would say all are more open to inventors than ever. So um, I don't think some people go, what are the industries, Andrew, that are the most open? And I'm like, you, I don't want to state specific industries because, you know, first of all, there are certain categories that a lot of our students are in, like common stuff, like kitchen, home storage organization, pet, garden, automotive, like, you know, there's some, but you may be working in some funky category and they're perfectly open as well. So, oh, but Andrew just said pet and kitchen. Now I'm doing you guys a big disservice. So, you know, they're, they're, they're all open and they're more open than ever. It's, it's kind of hard to find companies that aren't open these days. Now, that doesn't mean like you might send to one person in the company, they say, no, we're not open. Then you send to another one and they're like, oh yeah, send it on over. So sometimes when inventors think like, oh, this company's not open because one person told me no, but another person in the company would have said, yeah. And you reached, so you reached out to him on LinkedIn. Yeah, I'll take a look at it. And you end up licensing it. So uh, now if a, several people tell you, no, we're not open, and then you're like, okay, this company's put up a wall. Maybe their attorney told them to say that this company's not open. There are plenty of companies that aren't open, but a lot of times when the inventor thinks the company's not open, it was just that person was saying that it's the gatekeeper or that person, but somebody else in the company might actually take a look at it. Um, there's a bunch of hardware companies recently that said, no, we're no longer open to ideas. But I know a bunch of inventors that went to marketing managers, you know, through LinkedIn and they said, yeah, sure, send it over. You know, so um, sometimes when people go, oh, nobody's open to ideas. I'm like, that's not even remotely true. Um, and that that's a very common thing I see with the inventors when you're new to this is like you experience something once or twice and now you're saying it's a rule. And I see I have inventors in our event rights students tell me these things. And I'm like, uh, no, we have four to 600 students at any point in time and they're all getting tons of feedback and I'm not seeing companies saying that. 
you know, once in a blue moon, but the inventor's going, oh, this is how it is. And I'm like, no, it's not how it is at all. You're making all sorts of assumptions. It's not, that's not the case. Um, let's see if we can get to, uh, I think there was two people and I don't see either of them said, you didn't get to my question, you know, and I didn't see, I don't see either of them there. Um, Upton said, "Is if there is a product out there that is similar, similar to do to do, I still need to do. I still need to get a PPA. Um, if you've got a point of difference, go ahead and get the PPA. If you've got any point of difference, go ahead and get the PPA. And realize a lot of products that are out there aren't patented. If you see five companies making more or less the same thing, there's no freaking patent on that particular thing. Now, one of the companies might have done a slightly different version. They got a patent on that." So don't think that every product is patented, guys. Most products aren't patented. So you might see these products out there and you're like, oh, that product exists. Oh, well, I can't do it then. It's like, well, if they don't have a patent on it and there's like three other companies kind of doing the same thing or maybe none, you can do the product and then you've got this improvement and you can license that freaking thing. That's okay. Um, a lot of people uh, misperceive that. So guys, we're, we're at the hour. Um, there was, I think it was Son and one other person said I didn't answer their question, but I, I don't see them that they type something else in. So, um, and I didn't get to all your questions and I never will because we only got an hour. I did a whole hour and I'm rapid fire guys. I talk fast. I answer a lot of questions. So, um, okay. Diego, Diego wrote, you never answered my question, Andrew, buddy. It's, it's on here twice. Okay, Diego, um, I, I, I'm, I'm here working for free. I can't get to them all. So, you know, um, so I, you guys, thank you so much for being so kind. And everybody always gives me. So if you want to type in any thank yous you have for me, I'd appreciate that. I will not get to all your questions in an hour. If you want to do that, sign up for a coaching. and We'll answer you one-on-one, -on -one, Diego. Um, and so no need to give me a hard time for that. Don't appreciate that. So I want to remind everybody to take care, keep inventing, and we'll catch up with you guys next time. See you guys. Bye.